Welcome to the MS Gym Podcast, where we give you the tools to live life by design, not by diagnosis. I'm your host, Brooke Slick, and here we go. Hi, everyone. I am so excited about today's guest. I cannot even tell you. You see, a couple of weeks ago, I did an unassuming little micro episode on mobility devices, and there was no way I could have predicted the massive amount of positive feedback that we received on that episode. Let's just say it resonated. Given that, when the opportunity arose to have today's guest on the podcast, I was more than elated. She is an absolute superstar in the MS space. From her award-winning blog, Tripping on Air, that chronicles her life with MS, to her Instagram presence, to the recent WebMD documentary featuring her, Ardra Shepard is calling bullshit on how society views differently abled individuals. Her content is overflowing with upfront, often comedically deadpan observations about living with MS and equally as important, living with mobility devices. You see, mobility devices and learning how to live with them with grace, confidence, and style for days is her jam. In today's episode, Ardra shares with us how she threw her vanity to the wind and said, screw it. If there's nobody else out there representing what I want to accomplish with MS and while using a mobility device, I'm going to be that person. And that's exactly what she's done. Everyone, please welcome Ardra Shepard. Okay, Ardra, thank you so, so much for coming on today's episode. Our listeners are thrilled to have you here. Uh, Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. You, um, I'm going to jump right in. Recently, you were on the cover of the MS Society's Momentum magazine as well as featured in a documentary short that was produced by WebMD. And, you know, all of a sudden you're popping up everywhere, but you've been around for a while, especially in the social media game and more so in the blogging game. Um, you were diagnosed in 2001, is that correct? Yes. And you were 22 at the time. Yes. However, you didn't start your blog until 2015? That's right. Four years ago. So what, what was the turning point for you where you were like, okay, I think it's time to start sharing what, what's going on in my life. And like, what was it? You know, I was very open about my diagnosis in the very beginning. I, I had no idea that it would change how other people viewed. I was very naive. I was very young. I didn't realize that it would change how people would perceive me, would interact with me, how it would affect me professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, there was just so much going on and it was very overwhelming time, but I was very open about everything. And then there came a point when um, I was on medication, things were under control. I became much more private about it because, because of all those things I just mentioned, the, the weirdness and um, the explaining and the judgment and all of that. Um, and then it, it became important for me to kind of get public about it again when my MS started to be less of an invisible illness and I started to have more obvious symptoms like drop foot and I started to need mobility aids and I felt like, 
um, people were starting to whisper and I felt like I needed to take control uh, of the version of the story um, and tell it in my, my own words, if that makes sense. Got it. Absolutely. Um, that makes total sense. It, it's amazing. The shift that takes place when the disability beca- goes from invisible to visible. It's totally. like, all of a sudden, everybody thinks you're 10 times worse than you were before when you really were just as bad, you know, a year ago. It's just your foot wasn't dragging at the time. It's kind of both. Either it, it can be both extremes. It's like people are feeling sorry for you. They stop inviting you to do things and participating. Or they, you have to explain why you need a mobility aid, like, especially right. right in the beginning. Like it's maybe not that obvious. Like some days you're using a cane and some days you're not. Like what's up with that? Uh, right. So there's, there's just a lot of things that you feel like you need to kind of clear up. And I feel like sometimes for me anyway, it was easier to put those things in writing. Um, right. And then to have those conversations over and over again, not to say that I started writing it for, you know, the people in my inner circle. I think, you know, things start for one reason and then, then they evolve into right. for other reasons. Right? I mean, it's helped me sort through a lot of stuff for sure. And, you know, back when I was diagnosed in the dark ages before social media, I looked for the storytellers that looked like me, that sounded like me, that were experiencing things um, the way I was, and they were really hard to find. And so I strive to be that kind of voice that I was looking for back in the day. But I also am so grateful that we have access to so many other good storytellers now. We can see ourselves starting to be represented in this um like through through social media is such a a game-changing um leveler of the playing field if you will that we Absolutely. have to access to so many Absolutely. more stories and and as much as there are more of those to choose from today i can honestly say just because i i do think that you and i think a lot alike in terms of um vanity and mobility aids and remaining active and traveling and doing all those things despite you know our setbacks um you are still a a unique voice in the space um like don't ever not give yourself credit for that you really do have a unique voice you're very blunt um you're not afraid to drop an f-bomb and (laughs) god i love you for that um but you you you're kind of like the whole package because you, you don't just talk about mobility devices, but I think it's a big part of how you are visibly. You have no problem um, putting absolutely gorgeous photos on your Instagram of you looking totally fly. Um, and you just so happen to have a mobility device with you, like you so, or a cane or whatever. Um now, it didn't start like that for me. Like you if know? you scroll to the bottom of my Instagram, um, I really, like I started Instagram to just sort of support my blog. Like that was my main right. thing. But I was very, very nervous in the beginning to put any photos of my face, any photos of me with a mobility aid. Like I really started out yeah. really tentatively where I would be maybe in silhouette or a picture of me from behind it was and really if you search a hashtag now like babes with mobility aids there are thousands of pictures but like as recently as two years ago there were none 
So um, we've already made such a, a dent in changing perceptions of um, what it means to be young and to use a mobility aid uh, and to sort of see ourselves represented. We still have a long, long way to go. But it, it wasn't easy for me. I had to really sort of in providing, I looked for this example. And then when I just decided to be the example that I wasn't seeing, it was very um, intentional to sort of say, I mean, it's a process. It's a whole evolution. Right. I, yeah. Because it's, it's, even though you decided to be that person, that doesn't make it any easier to be that person, to be on display, so to speak. I mean, I feel it's easy now, but um, right. I I celebrate it now. It was like a fake it till you make it. In the, but really, I really would Google like pain style, how to make a rollator look cool. And yes. there, was, there was nothing. Uh, and it is different now. You can see those people, but, and it sounds, um, it sounds so obvious to say, and this, this comes from my place of privilege of being like a, a white woman, not really recognizing how important representation was to me until I stopped seeing myself represented. Right. Until I stopped seeing people that looked like me in like fashion and beauty or on TV or in media or anywhere. Right. Um, that weren't like sick and pitiable. Yes. Um, yeah. And so that's why it's so important that, um, like somebody has to do this. Somebody has to say like, no, we're still here. We're still participating. We still have value. We're still like, um, we still need access to the, the beauty industry. We're still, um, like vibrant, lively people. And yes. uh, you can hardly blame the rest of the world for kind of, not understanding that because they don't see examples of it. Exactly. And I got to tell you, we appreciate it. We appreciate you representing those of us who are striving to be exactly what you're talking about. And you know how it is. It's a domino effect. When one person does it, somebody says, you know, if they can do it, I can do it. And so on and so on and so on. And the next thing you know, everybody's comfortable with getting out there, living life, with a mobility aid, despite yeah. the mobility aid. Um, I, I mean, I had no idea that it was going to railroad that part of my identity when I first started to need one. It really, I feel like there's so many resources for people with MS, um, but there are not enough, there are no resources, right. really, um, in terms of like there's so much focus that's put on um relapsing remitting MS and getting to um a place of not having any symptoms and being symptom free and yes. modifying drugs. But there are not enough resources that teach us how to live and be successful and to cope with what happens when we if we transition to secondary progressive. Or if we have primary progressive MS, like there are, um, there are not enough resources that equip us with what we need to navigate that, that journey successfully. Right. Um, and even, I mean, I, I had to do all the research. Yeah. Like, but also even like practically speaking, 
like which mobility aid to get and when you need them and when you should transition from a cane to a like there's there's nobody I can figure all of that out on my own um and I've I've heard from lots of other patients that the same has been true for them I mean I have a rollator that converts to a transport chair I didn't know that that existed until I'd done a lot of research and like what a genius invention Exactly. That is, but and yeah. On your and and you've named that device. If I <laughs> and what have you named that lovely device? Which we are going to link. You you do have. You can tell us. You can tell us the name and the company that that makes. Yeah. It. Sure. And so it's it's funny because I'm like such a girly girl, and I'm not into um, action movies but i do remember watching the transformers when i was a little kid and uh, um and any it's just like a natural name i feel like for this particular device i call it optimus prime because it transforms from a rollator to a transport chair so i mean it's great for travel or um long days if you want to walk for as much as you can and then you know you need to push and it can convert to a transport chair so that's made by uh, company called Rolls Motion, and it's a it's a great device, and it's cool. They come in cool colors. They look they don't look so medical, you awesome. know. They look yeah, awesome. I've seen it, and it, it's pretty sharp. Yeah, it's it's a great it's a great tool, and you know there was an adjustment there in the beginning to kind of get comfortable and embrace it. It helped a lot that my husband we we travel a lot, and he noticed the difference. For our travels immediately he was so much happier to to push me to right. be seen pushing me than to be you know doing something on his own while I was crashed out in the hotel because I didn't have energy you know exactly. it really it was a game changer yeah yeah and he didn't start seeing me differently and that that helped also now I know and I think this was a turning point based on what I read can you tell me about the guy with the fedora? That guy, yeah. You know, I wish I'd talk to him, but maybe it's like don't don't meet your heroes or you know what I mean? <laughs> like it would have been weird. Um, I was walking down this by street and with a cane, and there was a guy walking who had just turned the corner walking towards me, and he had that that I don't know if he had MS, but I like to think he did because he had the kind of drop with the kind of gait that I had. He looked like he was my age. And um, I call him Fedora because he's wearing a fedora. Uh, And we just kind of gave each other this knowing nod, this look as we passed. And then, you know, I thought about him for the whole rest of the day. I even walked the dog at the same time the next day thinking maybe I'll run into him again. I want to talk to him. Because that was a light bulb for me. I thought that guy looks right. cool, and he doesn't look diminished by that cane. Like he's like I don't think he's less than or weak or a sick person. He's like young. He looks like he's. I love his outfit. He looks like somebody I could be friends with. And I was like, wow, maybe, maybe I can look like that too, or maybe I do right. look like. Maybe I was the same thing for him, you know. And I, it's sort of not. It's, it's not giving in to that internalized ableism that we all have. We yes. can't help it. It's, right. it's like what society, what we've 
it's our experience of disability. It's what we know and believe it to be. And so it's really, it takes kind of a conscious effort to say, I reject that. Like, that's not who I am in the world. And you can't tell me that that's who I am. And I'm going to tell you who I am. And this is who I am. Right. Right. You know, I had an experience. I was recently in New York City and I was standing at the elevator bank waiting for the elevator to come down. And of course, in New York, in hotels, people from all different countries. And this woman came up to me with a a thick, I, I want to say it was some kind of Scandinavian accent. And I had both my trekking poles and, you know, I was dressed, you know, I was put together, whatever I was wearing. And she comes up and she goes, oh, she said, are those Nordic poles? And uh, I said, actually, they're just trekking poles. And she said, oh, she asked me where I was going or what. I She basically was asking me why I was using them. Because it's not like you see a lot of people using them in New York. I said, well, actually, I have MS. And she goes, it, like, it completely switched right then. She goes, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, oh, no, no, no. I said, it's fine. It's fine. And uh, I think she thought for a minute. And she turned away. And then she turned back and she said, just so you know, you make them look very fashionable. Uh, he said that and I was like oh thank you so much you know it went from this moment of oh god to cool yeah yeah (laughs) that's all it takes and it just gives you know the user of the device the person with the disability sometimes all it takes is this final or even a little nudge to be like you know this is going to be okay I think I can do this and I'm not just going to do it I'm going to rock it yeah but, you know, it's still like for every 10 times that somebody says something to you in public with your mobility aid, maybe one of them, they're going to like comment on how badass and cool you look. And the, the rest of the time, you may leave that encounter feeling like um, that wasn't your experience. You know what I mean? And right. so for I, that happened to me just recently. I was in an elevator, like just having a good day, feeling fine not thinking about anything and somebody uh was very pitying to me and you know oh, are you in pain is it hurt and and um th- those are the moments when I just have to real remind myself like don't feel sorry for me it's like right it's, yeah you know like I can't control what you think right. about me um I'm trying to change the conversation and influence what people think in in general about people with disability, but wow, we are so at the beginning of this conversation. I, I, I agree with you completely. And I think so many people rail on people who people like that person in the elevator who, who said that to you, they're, they think that they're being insensitive when in fact they are being, I think they're being empathetic and they, like you said, they're working from a place that has been programmed into their mind about what it's like to have a disability. So it's not really like sometimes you have to give people a break. I mean, obviously there's always going to be some asshole who's going to make some insensitive comment. Like, yeah, you know what? It's not even about, um, like, I don't think that this person was an asshole and I agree that it's, it's just sort of how we've been conditioned to think. I think that the danger is that, these let's call them microaggressions like these tiny little 
comments that happen most, to be honest, most days, if I'm out with a mobility aid from strangers, they, they can, they can make tiny, tiny little scars that add up to just making you feel like to just remind you that the rest of the world sees you as different, sees you as something to feel sorry for. And it takes a real effort to remind yourself that just because other people see you that way, that's not how you have to see yourself. Right. I agree with that completely. Your blog, I spent, I spent a lot of yesterday going through your entire blog. And not just because I was doing research, because I couldn't stop reading. It was so <laughs> good. Like, that's how good it is. And Thank you. There were so many points in it that I think will speak to so many of our uh, listeners. And they definitely spoke to me. And what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm just going to look through here and I'm going to refer to a particular blog post, which you guys who are listening, just so you know, it's all going to be linked in the episode notes. So everything Ardra, everything she's working on, the documentary, there'll be links to everything in the episode notes. So no worries there. But um, in the beginning, this actually, I'm going to talk about something you said at the beginning of the documentary, which I, I absolutely loved. And it's something so simple, but it's something when you're in the MS space or the disability space for a long time, you, you'll get it and you'll recognize this phrase. And I thought it was interesting, Audra's response to it. One of my favorite parts in the opening was you start off by saying, my name is Ardra Shepard and I have MS, but MS doesn't have me. Then there's this pregnant pause. Then you say, that's bullshit. MS <laughs> totally has me. And I was like, yes, 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 Ardra, thank you for saying it. Because, you know, it's that phrase that comes up a lot. It doesn't have me. Okay, okay, okay. And the other one that always gets me is, my MS does not define me. Well, it doesn't define you, your soul, your the person you were born as, what, you know, your heart. But it does define the way you, you navigate through this life. And in the case of mobility devices, it it defines how you get around. So, but like you said, it's, it's bullshit. MS doesn't think- have you. It doesn't. MS isn't a fair, like, it's not a fair weather friend. It takes you and it's just with you. Sometimes it's worse and sometimes it's better, but it always has you. I think this is another thing that comes at the very beginning of this diagnosis is a lot of the advice that we get from people in uncomplicated bodies is to not let it define you. um, And so I think it's something that we on some level, train ourselves to say or believe um, because it helps other people. And and maybe it's also helpful for some people. Um, and I don't want to take that away from them. That this is just like my own experience right. of it. I'm but not I asking people who say yeah, that. No, no, no. I know you're not. It's just like, I also, I feel like we don't always give ourselves permission to say this sucks like MS like and you can be positive and you can keep moving forward and doing what's best for your body 
despite the circumstances you've been given, but I think it's very helpful and and healthy to also be able to say like, this is bullshit. Like this is not an easy thing that I've been given and it's hard and I, it, it sucks. And it, it, I have to consider everything that I do through the lens of MS. Yeah. It has me. It's like this, this sucks. You know, it shouldn't suck this bad to try to put on a pair of earrings. Uh-huh. It shouldn't suck this yeah. bad to try to yeah. put on shoes or put on a pair of pants. I shouldn't have to lean up against the wall to do it. Yeah. You know? Or like, am I going to do, I, am I going to go out tomorrow morning? Well, that, that depends on my bowel routine. Let's be right. real. You know, like the yeah. timing, you know, I yeah. have to do this before I leave the house and yeah. I'm still going to this establishment that has a bathroom, you know, in the back downstairs yeah yes yeah it's all so, yeah ms has me like that is that's like the um dictator that lives in my body yes yeah absolutely absolutely and i i think um e- you know even people who might be your best friend they don't at least in the beginning, they don't realize just how much calculation goes into, oh, yeah. Oh, let's go shopping this afternoon into a movie and then we'll go to dinner afterward. You know? Yeah. They say it, they do it. They don't think twice about it. Whereas we can do the same thing, but there are all these different components in between all these different factors, things you have to factor in to make that a successful event for you and be able to have enough energy to do it all. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I used to, have a very mixed feeling early on when people close to me would say, I, I sometimes forget you have MS. And yeah, like that used to be very intoxicating actually, because I didn't like for someone who now feels like the poster girl for MS, I didn't (laughs) want my name and MS uttered in the same sentence. Right. So that they're on some level that, that felt like a compliment. And I think that was how it was intended. But the flip side of that is that feeling of not being understood when you have this invisible illness and like people forget that you have it. That also means they forget how much you have to rally sometimes just to get out the door. Exactly. Participate. Exactly. I know exactly what you mean. Uh, sometime within say the last six months, I said something to my husband. It was something I was complaining about. And I, I said, you need to realize that that's really hard for me. And I don't know, it was something about he had left his shoes, something that he was repeatedly doing that I had to keep moving because I had to go around mm-hmm. it, something like that. Yeah. And yeah. he said to me, and like you said, it, it, it was intoxicating because he said, you know, I don't, because I said, you know, I am disabled. That's what I said to him. And he's like, I don't think of you as disabled. Well, part of me was like, oh, thank you so much. And the other part of me was like, are you paying attention? Yeah. Oh, it's so hard. And like the part of you that's delighted by that is the part that has been like conditioned to see disabled bodies as less than like, that's just where, and that's, we, we have to fix that. And it feels like such a monumental task to just see disabled bodies as different instead of less than. Yeah. Because so much of, of, uh, how we're disabled is by our environment also, you know, the bathroom downstairs or the shoes yes. that are trying to kill you because they're in the way. <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely. I went to, um, when I was in New York, I went to see Marie Forleo. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but, 
I went to uh, an event that she had and I'd gotten a VIP ticket. And part of the VIP ticket is you got to have a photo taken with her, which I thought, okay, cool. Um, well, we waited, waited, waited. And every, at the end, everybody's standing around um, waiting to see where the pictures were going to be taken with her. And um, at the very last minute, they said, oh, it's going to be downstairs. And I'm thinking, oh, no big deal. Um, well, there was no elevator to downstairs, at least not from where we were sitting. So I had to go down this big, long set of stairs that was filled with hundreds of people. And I thought, no big deal. I had my trekking poles and I, you know, there was a railing so no big deal. But then when I got downstairs, I'm thinking there'll definitely be an elevator down there to get back on the other side, blah, blah, blah. And there wasn't. And they, and at first I'm like, I knew I could get back up this other set of stairs, but, and I did, and it wasn't a problem, but I kept thinking, what if I couldn't have done that? You know, what would yeah. they have done? They would have had to carry me out of there. And I, not that I think that every event or people don't build typically, and especially not, you know, a hundred years ago, they didn't build buildings with disabled people in mind. I get it. Um, but I think today there's really no excuse for not taking that into consideration. Listen, and we talk about diversity and inclusion. Disability is still way too often left out of the conversation. If we said to any other marginalized group, uh, you can't use the bathroom here. Yes. People would be marching in the street. Yes. But for some reason with, with disability, it's not incumbent on business owners to make their spaces welcome. It's the problem of the people with disability. And I think that you know, 50 years from now, when we look back at history and we look back at how we marginalize people with disabilities, I think it will be a point of great shame for us yes. that it's taken so long to, uh, to, to have equal access to people with disabilities. It's gross. I agree. With it's that. hard. It's hard not to be personally offended. And, and that's another part of the internalized ableism that we all take on because when you are repeatedly so I live in a big city, so I'm constantly finding myself in places and spaces where I am not welcome. And it's hard not to take that personally. Right. Right. Because like the space isn't designed for me. That you know, it's um it's and I know it's not personal, but it's hard not to feel right. like, you know what, your your uh business here is not not as valuable as somebody else's. Exactly. Ardra, I want to ask you, because I'm curious myself, and I did go through your blog, and I, I still can't figure it out, so I'm just going to come out and ask. Yeah. Hashtag, hashtag babes with mobility aid. Did you create that? You know what? I thought that I did. I thought that I had, but I think it's pretty zeitgeisty. And someone else started the hashtag babe with a mobility aid right around the same time. So I was hard to say, like, who who started it for sure. Um, and I don't, I mean, I don't remember. I thought that I had, but I, um. I'm just going to say you did. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but you know what? It doesn't matter because it's so much bigger than me now. And I follow the hashtag and I see pictures that people are posting that are no, in no way connected to me or even to MS. And I just feel like Genius. so great about that because even as, you know, as comfortable as I feel now, I still feel 
uh, rallied by seeing so many other awesome women out there just owning it and men too. Um, although they're less likely to assign themselves that hashtag, but, um, I feel, and like anytime I get an email from somebody that tells me that I've helped them feel more comfortable using a mobility aid or like given them the courage, it, that is so humbling to me and just, um, wow. I, I just, I just like maybe the thing I'm the most proud of it's, uh, because I know how important it was for me to kind of feel that way. It's not trivial, you know, it's, it's a big, have a right to that. Yeah. Acceptance. And, but sometimes once you get over that hump, it makes all the difference in the world. Now you, there was a, a blog post. This was from July of 2018 of yours. And it yep. was called How to Improve Mobility Aid Stigma with a hashtag. Hashtag being Babes with Mobility Aid. Yeah. And I'm just going to read a little clip of it. And uh, you tell me what you think. I I think it's awesome. And it's about vanity. It's about vanity. Part of it. <laughs> it says, my mobility aid epiphany didn't happen overnight. There was no aha moment when I sud- was suddenly okay with multiple sclerosis taking over my, over my body and my ability to walk independently. The transition from relapsing remitting MS to secondary MS was hard, is hard. Even now, having reached some degree of acceptance, there are days when I have no chill about how badly I don't want to be someone who needs a mobility aid. You go on to say, though I eventually realized that using mobility aids didn't mean I was accepting some kind of personal failure, I still couldn't get past what needing them said about me. I didn't want people to see me, quote, like that. I shoved my devices out of photos. I decided I'd never use a cane in our apartment, believing that I was somehow tricking the banker, your husband, into thinking I remained relatively healthy. I was convinced that looking fall down drunk was still sexier than looking disabled. Yeah, I'm that vain. I loved that. That's (laughs) even for our, you know, family members, spouses, kids. You're you're still trying to play this physical role. Um, You're essentially faking it and and risking risking falling because of it, because of your vanity. So I I thought that was just very telling. Of you know just bringing the vanity part of it into it that even after you were accepting and even now I'm accepting of what I have to deal with that every once in a while there'll, there'll be a moment where I'm like, you really do feel like you're on display or you're like, Oh my God. Yeah. Watching me. Like try walking through a restaurant. Like you see all those eyes on you. Like I don't want anyone to feel sorry for me. That's, you know what I mean? Like I am smart and accomplished. I am like a, I, um, all these, I spent my life like cultivating the person that I am and to feel so reduced when, when people just pity you, when they have no idea what your life is, Yes, is really gross feeling. And, um, but of course that's like different in the house. That's the internalized ableism part of it too. I think there 
is something like we don't see ourselves move the way other people do. And then every now and then you'll catch it on camera or in a photo and it, it can be startling. I, I still have regularly, I have dreams where I'm walking and yes, and I'm strong and I'm like walking and walking. Yes. I, and then I wake up and, and I'm like devastated yeah. to think, Oh my God, that was a dream. And, it, it's just, it gets such a boring dream, but in the dream, I'm walking and it's easy and I'm not using a mobility aid and right. sort of like not until I wake up that I realize like, oh yeah, that's not how it is. Yep. Um, I know it, here's another blog post. It was one where you were trying to make a decision about which mobility device you were going to buy. And you had two choices, mobility uh, device A and B. and one was, I believe one was some like bright purple, <laughs> clunky medical equipment looking thing. And it had so many like cables on it. I remember. Yes. Just, yeah. Yes. And then choice B was your beautiful, um, uh, Optimus. <laughs> you know what? Right? Part of it is like, we think of like what we spend on cars and transportation and and disability is expensive. There's no question. It is expensive as hell to have MS. And that's part of it too. There's like this guilt of using family resources to spend more money on like the more expensive mobility device than right. like the more economical one. That's like something to negotiate, like prioritizing that. There's also no roadmap of somebody saying like why this one is better why you should maybe consider this one and 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 like putting a value to style and recognizing that um i mean not only is the style better but the function is also better Uh, i think like there are some companies that are starting to realize that people uh, that first of all, young people get disabilities, but even seniors still care about style and design and looking good. And, and so hopefully we're starting to see a shift in how this equipment is designed. I mean, we're an aging population already. Absolutely. Like we need to have better options and they need to be at more affordable price points. I mean, I'm 55 and I'm sorry, but not sorry. I care. I care about yeah, of course you do. Yeah, I care about how I feel while I'm using it, and no matter what, I only use trekking poles. But like you, I can so envision what you're talking about when you say about going to a restaurant because you know you're close up with all these people. They're looking like they can see, like you know, you see the people looking you up and down. And I'm telling you, not that I'm saying everybody has to be Susie Sunshine all the time. But something I use that really seems to quell their, what they might be thinking is I smile because I'm usually happy. I smile and I'm standing up as tall as I can. And as I just, and I think it kind of throws them off a little. When it's also really, it is exhausting to have to like, even think about how your presence is making other people feel. Yes. And that is something that is kind of constant when you, um, ha- have some kind of visible disability. I remember being at a restaurant with my husband, um, maybe about a year ago and 
there were like three or four steps to the bathroom and he was helping me up those steps and it was right next to a table and the whole table like stopped their conversation and was watching in slow motion oh, me God. go up those stairs and then somebody at the table looked at my husband and said you're a good man oh. and I was like that stuff stays with you for like, yes. what does that mean like oh. you know you're a good man like <laughs> Uh, just uh, so like you're so wrong you know yeah he's a good man but you don't know that like it's oh right. God, don't even get me started yeah, yeah I completely understand and now i'm gonna from that blog about buying ugly mobility aids i'm just gonna do a little quote a little snippet from it you said you said it's hard needing a mobility aid really hard there's so much beyond my control that I must sacrifice because of MS, but there's no need for me to give up style. I accept that using a mobility device adds a certain je ne sais quoi to my image, but I do not accept that we can't do better than this. So how about designing a few more of these things with the cool kids in mind? Shallow or not, our stuff helps us establish our identities. And option A, which was the bright purple, uh, was crushing my soul and it's yeah i think what they did initially when they they were trying to cater to people who wanted to be more cool uh with their mobility devices that is they took the same old walkers they always had and just yeah. it had made them red or purple or like yeah. some royal blue or something yeah and they were like oh look at us you know we're we're so trendy um when in fact it was the same damn device it was just colored yeah it still had all the wires and the grips and the this and yeah. the, there was nothing sleek about it there was nothing um the good news is people like you and me and others who would use these kind of devices are looking to people like you and Finding the confidence to say, you know what? You're right. I'm getting this. I'm going to do this. I'm not going to stay in the house anymore. I'm going to take my damn walker out, my roller, yeah. whatever the hell you have. I'm getting out there. I think that's something that you hear is people would rather stay home and not yes. participate because they don't want to use mobility aids. And that is, that's a tragedy, really. A and tragedy. yeah, yeah. And, you know, a lot of that is stigma. A lot of it is also, I think I write about this somewhere in there also that, you know, I didn't have doctors or medical professionals or any like guiding me through the transition to mobility aids. And also a lot of times we hear people being, there was a funeral of somebody that I knew and everyone was talking about how much this guy had resisted using a wheelchair like until the end he, like to his great detriment but everyone was bragging about that like he was so strong and he didn't right. give up and he kept fighting right. and and that's so toxic and unhealthy like i yes. feel like there are a lot of people who would benefit from being encouraged to use mobility aid like i i know it would have helped for me at some point for somebody Say, like I'm proud of you for for using this rollator or cane or whatever instead of like yes. you know don't don't give up keep trying like push yourself until you break something you know <laughs> I know I know exactly where you got that from and and I'm gonna tell you why this is from how to find the most badass mobility aid 
It was from August of 18, and here's what you said. You said, while my friends and family were supportive, nobody was exactly championing (laughs) even when my drunk walking started to get dangerous. I only had bad things to believe about canes, walkers, and wheelchairs, and was hell-bent on resisting them. The silence of those around me did nothing to hinder my hesitation. My interpretation of the unspoken subtext being that bringing home mobility device would be akin to giving up, which is bullshit, of course. Oh, and so, course. But there, who, there's nobody to tell you that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's yep. no, and that's why I'm really proud of what's happening in social media because you, you have to figure that out on your own. And that is so, who has the skills to do that? You yep. know, it takes like, it's not easy. And, and no one else is in your body. You know, I think of all, I, I remember being in the airport in Rome and, and not getting wheelchair assistance and the lineup uh, was like uh, two hours of wanting to die. Nobody could see that anything was wrong with me, you know, yeah. and just wanting to lie on that floor. And yeah. Oh, oh my God. So you ask for wheelchair assistance every time now? Oh, now I do. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm so over it, but, yeah. um, like, do you want to you know. live? Or don't you want to live? Because I mean, that's yeah. that's the bottom line. It's like, how badly do you want to go out to the restaurant tonight? How bad? But it's still you still have to put up with bullshit. Like, I never get through airport security and wheelchair assistance without somebody, without the security person asking my husband if I can walk through the the metal yes. detector. And like, you don't recently, have yeah, exactly. And and that is so offensive and they they must they see hundreds of people in wheelchairs a day so yes. it's standard for them to not address the person uh in yes. the chair and that's like that's training it's in every country it's in every airport recently i went to new york by myself and i thought well now they're gonna have to ask me yeah uh, but i had wheelchair assistance and sure enough the security person asked the person like the the airport employee who was pushing me in the wheelchair if i could get up and walk like how would they know right like so yeah i i get the assistance but and i definitely don't want to turn into the cranky um disabled lady right but that's and you know people get the benefit of the doubt but that's why i think this this storytelling and this media representation is so important because we need to start influencing how people see and think and interact with people who are in different bodies. Um, Yeah. We need to change the conversation. I think it's, it's an exciting moment in time because we are, um, we are hearing more and more diverse stories. I think where we're like, as a society, we're like ready for it. And social media is helping greatly with that. The fact that you touch thousands. We all have a a platform now. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely love it. And, I think that's evolving as well. Lord knows there are going to be all kinds of other tools, other social media tools in the future. I want to know, because you did a blog post about it. And for me, um, it's kind of a twofold victory is when Selma Blair came out, number one, came out about her MS. And then number two was so candid about using her cane, especially um, at the Vanity Fair event earlier this year and it was it was like a watershed moment for so many people when i say it was twofold for me 
later in the year, she had HSCT in Chicago and I had HSCT down in Russia. So just as much as people with MS were shouting from the mountaintops and saying, yes, 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 Selma, for using her cane and being out about that, she was also outing HSTT. So we were thrilled about that. But I want to know, because I know how I felt, how did you feel after you saw Selma Blair walk down the carpet at the Vanity Fair Oscar party looking gorgeous? with that pain what what was your first thought i was thrilled i mean that is exactly the kind of example that we need to see and you know there are for sure other people in the celebrity sphere with ms athletes actors and we don't know oh Um, i I know some of them yeah but i they don't feel safe i know coming out right yeah. Um, and so, and I can't blame them. So, yeah, I think it was really great. Um, and it feels like it was a long time ago. Like I would like to see I know. more of that. I mean, it's not incumbent on her to, she's just one person and it's her story. And I think it, it, like the Selma Blair story can be tough for some people who don't see themselves represented in her story. It's tough when we see so few stories about disability. We kind of put it all on one person to, to tell all the stories. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot on her. Yeah, of course. Like she's just telling her own story. And, um, I hope that we just, that we begin to see more, you know, from, yeah, that just, that the entertainment industry starts to make space for these stories and um, and this kind of representation. I also I want her cane. Like it was, I mean, the pink diamond in the handle, and it had her initials engraved in it. How awesome, right? And she's she's doing some um, some work for accessible design. Also, yes, I saw that Tommy partnering with Tommy Hilfiger or something. Yeah, yeah, which is, yeah, Tommy Hilfiger is a is a leader in accessible clothing too, which is another thing we need to see more of. I think it's exciting times. Like things are starting to change. Things we didn't even know were needed are being given voice. We're so also reachable so easily because of Instagram, because of Facebook. Yeah. it's not like the old days where you had to wait for a commercial to come out from the company that created a certain, you know, or you didn't have to wait to see somebody on a talk show or like, it's all right there every day. You know, anybody could scroll through your Instagram and find inspiration in a lot of your, your pictures, your posts, your, and you know, of course this episode is about you, but you know that there are other influencers out there. Not that everybody likes the influencer title, but influencer isn't always a bad thing. If you, I, no, I it's not. I mean, it's like, of course, you think of like makeup tutorials and, and yeah, it's what that's, it's what we have to call it. But it's, um, right. I think that for a long time, the only resources for patients were doctors and drug companies, maybe the MS society. And I don't know about you, but when I was first diagnosed, the people I wanted to hear from were the other people who had MS, who were 
uh, the same age as me who are navigating the same life circumstances. So relationships, careers, yeah. um, those kinds of things. And so I sought out uh, those people, but it was way harder to do than it is now. And I like that is a big missing piece of the information puzzle for patients with any chronic illness condition is to learn from the experiences of their peers and to like share stories, feel heard, know you're not alone, learn about medications and treatments. I mean, I've learned so much through um, social media and other patient experiences that doctors are, are not aware of. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, of course we need all of these components. We need, um, we need to hear from pharmaceuticals. We need to hear from doctors. We need to hear from MS societies and research, but it, it is a legitimate need to connect with and hear from other people who are experiencing the same thing we are. Ardra, I think I read somewhere you're going to be a keynote speaker for the MS Society's On the Move event in Washington, D.C. in 2020. So yeah, I'm super excited. What's that? Yeah. Um, so that is their annual fundraiser. It's in May. And um, yeah, I, I've never been to Washington, so I'm quite excited oh, cool. about that. Yeah. Um, so I'll spend a couple of days sightseeing before I speak at this um, event. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled that they've asked me to come and speak. I think it's going to be a great opportunity to connect down there. That's awesome. What, yeah. uh, what else are you going to be working on in 2020? So what? yeah, I've like been lobbying. Uh, <laughs> I know. Yeah. Oh, somebody was telling me I was at an event last night and they were saying how somebody had said, 20, like the theme for 2020 is going to be clarity. Um, yes. And I don't know who had, we think like 2020 vision, but uh-huh. it's also, it's really, it's cool. It's, um, you know, we think of all of this kind of woke culture that yeah. we are. And I it's like, it sounds cheesy to say it out loud, I but it's really true, right? Like we are learning so much about, um, the dive, the real and true diversity of, of who we are. And I think attitudes have changed so much in such a short time because of media's influence on how we talk about different marginalized groups. And I think disability is, is like next up to the plate. And I'm super excited to be part of that in any way. I have am in development with uh, a company here called Shaftesbury. They make film and television. We're developing a show whose main character will have MS. So it's, yeah. um, yeah, it's a show about a character who happens to have MS and it's like truth telling. It's going to be a show for everyone. Um, it's loosely based on my blog. Really? And, uh, yeah. I'm really, really that excited. So exciting. Yeah. I think, you know, we haven't seen enough good storytelling about chronic illness or disability so far. And most of the time, the stories are not told by people like writers or actors or whoever who have that firsthand experience. So um, we really want to kind of 
continue to shift the conversation and, and show like a different reality of what it's like to have this MS life. And, uh, yeah, I'm really excited. Like we're, we'll be in the writer's room in, starting in January and, uh, we'll be hearing more about it soon. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Yes. I can't even imagine they, they can pull so much goodness from your blog alone. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm excited. Ardra, I'm going to wrap up. I want to, I, again, another quote from your blog, but I think it pretty much this statement rolls into one, what you stand for. And I think it's important. And here's, here's how it goes. You say, every day I make a choice to not only believe in this badass version of myself, but to declare it to the world and to champion others like me to believe in the best versions of themselves. I use hashtag babes with mobility aid because I realize that if I want to see those people who look like me, those who look better than me, I have to put myself out there too. I absolutely love that. I want to thank you for putting yourself out there with us today. Um, I think the listeners are not going to be disappointed with what they heard from you today. I highly recommend that if you have not seen uh, Ardra's blog, trippingonair.com, or followed her on Instagram, you are missing out, absolutely missing out. It, all it takes is one picture or one statement from somebody who's been there, done that, and doing it well um, to motivate you to do the same. So, Ardra, I I can't even thank you enough. It, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. For more information on the MS Gym, check them out at themsgym.com on YouTube. Facebook, and Instagram. If you'd like to know what I've been up to lately, you can find me at brookslick.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode of the MS Gym Podcast.